just want to say thank you uh, for the great response last week, uh, homecoming. Uh, I think our final count, we were well over 150 in attendance, and over 150 in today. So we need to do homecoming every week back there. Seriously, thank you for inviting folks. It's good to see uh, good attendance here. Trust that uh, God's word, as He promised, will not return void. And I appreciate Tiago coming and sharing the word with us. Did an excellent job. So I appreciate just appreciate you being here for that. Appreciate you being here this morning. It's a Veterans Weekend, and uh, as was mentioned earlier, we do appreciate your service. Uh, appreciate those. Home for us uh, because of them, it's because of their sacrifice that we are able to do what we have. We should never take that for granted. We live in a day where it seems those blessings that we have received through sacrifice are too often trampled underfoot. It's our responsibility to share the truth that valor and service. No greater man, and no greater love has a man than to lay down his life for his friends. And I believe we see this and have seen this played out in the history of this country. We see the love of Christ in display. We live in a very self-centered society today. It's about me. It's about me getting what I deserve and my rights. When we look back on past generations, it was about esteeming the, the whole greater than the individual. And that's something we've lost. And as believers, we need to regain that. Uh, because in the body of Christ, uh, yes, there's there's many members, but we are one. And our mission is one. Our purpose is one. We are ambassadors for Christ. We must be willing to lay down our lives not always dead, is it? Sometimes laying down our life is foregoing what I want for the sake of none. So this Veterans Weekend, let's be mindful. And I'm, I'm thankful for the text we're in because this exemplifies, I believe, this lineage that in this country we see. When we look at the great Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and that's where we are, Hebrews chapter 11. When we think about this section in our study in Hebrews, in essence, the writer is saying, hey, let me tell you about some heroes who've served before. Let, let, let me speak to their example. Let me tell you about how they lived and how their life has benefited us. And isn't that the Christian walks. Again, we are simply a chain. We are a link in the chain as individuals. And so how important is it for us to live our life by faith, knowing the just shall live by faith? But that life is a benefit for future generations. We are ambassadors. We are, as we'll find in this text, pilgrims, journeymen, in a foreign land, serving as good soldiers.
for the cause of Christ. That's how Scripture refers to us. And so, may we not find ourselves entangled with the affairs of this world that we might best serve our Lord and Savior. So, let's take a look at our text and see how far we get today. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, you recall, uh, this is sort of where we've been. I'll do our outline up here. We looked at it in verse 1, what faith is. And by way of recap, we see this passage. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the author is going to give us examples of this as we unpack it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then we saw what faith does, verses 2 and 3. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And so he's going to give us an example of these elders, these uh, folks who've gone before us. And he's going to speak to their reputation, to their testimony how they lived a life of faith that was pleasing in the sight of God. He's saying to these folks, okay, yeah, you, you, you're, I know you're thinking about, again, we're getting, getting back into the context of Hebrews. I know some of you are wanting to go back into the old traditional system of the sacrificial system, the Levitical priesthood, the Mosaic law, all of those things that you're familiar with. But let me, let me tell you about why it's not just this ceremonial thing. But it was all about faith. It's always been about faith. And it still is about faith. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he says here, for by it, by what? By faith, the elders obtained good <coughs> By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen not made of things which are visible. And again, it speaks to this subject of faith. We talked about how no matter what your belief system is and the origins of things, you exemplify faith. Everyone in the world has faith. And you recall we spent a whole sermon talking about how everyone has faith. The question is, your faith is only as good as the object it's in. What is your faith in? And for us, as Christians, our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ, in his claims, who he claimed to be, in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's where our faith is. Our faith is that he has fulfilled his word, his word is true, we can believe him, we can take him at his word, and by that, it influences us, it transforms us to live each day of our life walking by faith, not by sight. Because our circumstances are constantly changing. Our, our world around us, the culture around us, is constantly growing darker and darker. It's waxing worse and worse because of sin and sin's results in this world. And so... Are we to live then? The just shall live by faith. 
So we saw what faith is. We saw what faith does. And now we're seeing what faith looks like. And that's what the writer's done here. He says, let me tell you what faith is. Let me tell you what faith does. Now, now let me show you what faith looks like. And I love it because he's appealing to them where they are. He's speaking their language. The book of Hebrews is to a predominantly Jewish audience. And so he's been telling us all these things about how, you know, in the old times they spoke through the prophets. And, and, and you know that Jesus is superior than the prophets. He's greater than. And he goes through and he says, look, let me tell you, you know the angels and you revere. Look, Jesus is greater than the angels. You know Moses. Yes, well, he's greater than Moses. You know Aaron. He's greater than Aaron. And so he's been making this argument all the way through. Jesus is superior. Jesus is greater. Because Jesus is a fulfillment of the promises given. He talked about the temple. Remember all of the things that were in the temple, the temple itself, the layout, the tabernacle, specifically the tabernacle, because he, he talks about all of those items that were in the tabernacle. And he says these were types and shadows. That wasn't the substance of, those were simply types and shadows. Should have been drawing those worshipers by faith because they knew these things were a temporary hold for an eventual substance fulfillment. And the writer is saying that substance fulfillment is Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. There was a new covenant being offered. This is in line with what Jeremiah the prophet said. Guys, Christ has come and he has fulfilled. There is no more sacrificial system. Jesus has once for all, he has settled the account, he has finished it, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And remember, he talked about how the earthly tabernacle was simply um, an example of the heavenly, the reality. And so he's going to play on that in this chapter 11. And it's kind of subtle throughout chapter 11, so I want you to pick up on that. That all he's doing is he gives you all these examples through here. Sorry about that. Check. Man, I was, I was feeling it too. I was in the groove. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. So, for those of you who couldn't hear that, let me go back. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Thank you, brother. Amen. <laughs> Amen. What faith is, what faith does, what faith looks like. And that's where we are. Let's see what faith looks like in the lives of these heroes of the faith. We talked about last week um, in this great hall of faith, Abel. And you remember Abel? He gave that sacrifice that was pleasing. His brother Cain, uh, he was disobedient in that. And his jealous heart led to the first murder of mankind. We talked about Enoch in verses 5 through 6. And by the way, let me just read through these. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. And again, he's included here in his testimony. His witness lives on. 
By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For, be, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah. Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Do you realize that it's believed and understood that Noah and people of his day, they had never seen rain it had never rained. And there's a lot of great resources. I would encourage you to spend some time doing your own homework and study on it. Answersingenesis.org. Answersingenesis.org is a great place of resource on this. And there's many theories that have been thrown around that prior to the flood, this world was a different world. And Scripture attests to this. There's a reason why people were living almost to a thousand years of age, Methuselah being one of the oldest. You, you look at some of the ages in the Old Testament, you say, well, wait a minute, people don't live to be 700, 800, 900 years old. But again, we're, we're thinking from our place of thinking. We're, we're understanding from our place of reasoning today. The world today is different from the world in the beginning. In fact, when the world was first made, it was made in perfection. Perfection doesn't break down until sin enters the world. And when sin entered the world, things began to change. And it got worse and worse to the point it comes to Noah's day and God pours out His wrath upon the world and destroys the world with a flood. And so, when we think about the life of Noah and we read the account of Noah, he was the one who actually took God at His word. Even though he had never seen rain, even though he never, maybe had never even seen a ship, but began to labor for 120 years proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming that there is salvation... If you'll trust in God, believe in God's word, believe what I have to say. But what did the people do? They mocked, they scoffed. Hey, what's this rain he's talking about? Again, think of, if, if you would, the world being some type of like a terrarium where there's a canopy, if you will. And this is just one theory. Because the scripture does speak that when the flood came, water fell from the sky as well as from up from the ground. Very interesting. Again, many theories floated out there and do your own homework on it. But uh, when you read the Genesis account and the waters are separated, some believe at the core of the earth in the early origins was water-based and water-based above. And so now it's fire-based. And guess what the next judgment's going to be? Fire. But Noah was a man of righteousness. He was a man of faith. That's why he's included here. 
And though he had not seen these things, he took God at his word. He believed God, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. And here's a lesson for us. God's given us divine warning. We, we are carriers of the truth of God's word. And we do know that there is coming a day when he will judge this world again. And it will not be with a flood. It will be with fire. And that's a terrible thought, gang. To think of family or friends or neighbors or relatives who are just today having a, just a fun day. Life is good, so they think. Being lulled by the lie of an enemy of their soul. That this world is where their treasure should be. Just, hey, eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow you're going to die. I mean, the world's philosophies are lies. And sadly, sometimes, even within the church, we lose focus on our priorities. We lose sight of what is truly important. And instead of storing up treasures in heaven, we focus on the temporal. We chase just like the other rats in the rat race, day in, day out, lulled into a complacent, apathetic. But not Noah. He was divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. You know, sometimes we need a good stirring of reverential fear, don't we? We need a reality check that God is God and we are not. And I know just last Sunday, as a congregation not much different than us, as they worship, had their lives taken, vicious act. Now for many, and I trust all, I pray all that stepped into eternity, stepped into the presence of God. And if they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that is exactly what happened. But left in the wake is family and friends and city, a town, a nation, a world asking why. And only the Christian faith makes sense of these things. Only your worldview, my worldview, the biblical worldview is the only thing that makes sense of these things. Because this book speaks to a real enemy who is after the souls of man. His desire is to blind the minds of this world in hopes that they will not see the glorious light of the gospel. And yet we're called into this dark world as pilgrims, as journeymen, to share the good news as ambassadors of a kingdom that's coming, of a judgment that's coming upon those who do not know Christ. And so Noah stood and warned his day and warned his people that they needed to get right. And no doubt he pleaded with them because of the fear of God. It moved him to prepare an ark for the saving of his household. 
by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And what that means is simply this. Noah believed God. He had a reverential fear of God that it stirred his heart to action. And faith, that's saving faith, that's genuine faith, that's real faith, always stirs the heart of the follower to action. And in this case, he put his faith in action by following the instructions that God gave him. And he built this ark. And he preached. And he preached. And he warned. And he begged. And he pleaded. Can you imagine what that must have been like? In a world where everything was watered through mist, through various other sources, underwater currents, uh, 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 you know, differing things, and, and just a differing world, and the people who, again, Scripture tells us by this point, were violent. They loved violence. That's, what, that's why it says, go back and read the accounts on your own. Read the account. You know why God ends up destroying the world? Yes, there was wickedness in their heart, but he cites violence twice. Because we live in a violent day, don't we? I mean, everything we watch is violent. We're told in 2 Peter that it'll be as it was in the day of Noah. We're warned in the New Testament that it will be as it was in the day of Noah. People marrying and eating, and enjoying. Life is normal. And then the judgment came. We need to be like Noah in this, people of faith, people who are stirred with godly fear to put our faith into action, to do what God's instructed us to do. And that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world around us. So what if they scoff? So what if they make fun? You know they did this in Noah's day, and then all of a sudden that first drop came. And that next drop came, and all of a sudden it began to pour. And I imagine those people at that moment probably looked around and wondered, what, what is going on? What is this? And, and, and I imagine there was some rumbling in the earth, and, and, and I imagine there was some, some pandemonium now began to kind of sink in because... Somebody now remembered what crazy Noah told them. This is what that old man was warning us about. And I imagine because of the size of that ark, for those who were in proximity, no doubt began to grab their family and grab their belongings and friends and anything they could get as the rain was pouring even harder and as it was beating down upon the earth and now it's torrential, it's coming like it's just never come before because they've never seen this before. And I imagine they're screaming and crying and trying to get everyone over to the ship and they're banging and beating on the ship, begging and pleading, please let us in, let us in. And it's too late. God has closed the door and no man can open it. And guys, one day our message of hope, the gospel message that says come into the ark of Jesus Christ, 
come into Christ by receiving Him, by faith, believe the good news that I'm telling you that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Come to Christ today. Put your faith and trust in Him and allow it to change you from the inside out to transform you into a life of action. And one day, that door is going to close. God's judgment will come in a final stage. The just shall live by faith. Noah was a man of faith. And then we find Abraham. And this is the bulk of this section. Notice the text. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which... Uh, I didn't, wasn't ready for the mic drop, but anyway. I'll wait till the end of the story, but anyway. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore." The writer of Hebrews dedicates a good portion of this chapter 11 because again of their reverence for Abraham. We've looked at these men whose scripture Old Testament speaks to. Abel, Enoch, Noah. And they all were examples, a testimony of their faith in the unseen things yet to come. But they trusted God and they took God at His word and they followed Him. Not knowing. And Abraham is a great example for us as Christians Here's a man who is called out of a land. He was pagan. And he goes to a place he knows not yet where he's going. Yet he trusted God, took him at his word, and obeyed. I'm going to stop here, as if the microphone drop wasn't enough warning. But I want us to think about... Abraham, 
and see the examples that we have in Scripture. So go back and spend some time reading this week on the life of Abraham. Because here's what you're going to find in the life of Abraham. We kind of make him this as the writer is appealing to the Hebrew people because they've, obviously Abraham's man, he's the, he's the, we're of our father Abraham. In the day in which this is being circulated, I mean, he was revered. But Abraham was an ordinary guy like me and you, right? Unless you're a lady, then you're a lady, he's a guy. So there is a difference there. I don't care what the world tells you. He blew it. He made his share of mistakes. You'll see it right there on the pages of Scripture. I love that part that you can actually read the Scriptures and see where he blew it. But yet he's also held in high esteem because of his faith. The world is watching us, Christian. How are we responding to the circumstances of life? How are we living out our life? Are we people of faith? Do we take God at His word and truly believe what He has said? Is it affecting our actions in such a way that as we go about our daily living, that our eyes are on things above, not on things below? Are we entangling ourselves with the affairs of the world or are we laboring as good soldiers for the cause of Christ? I want to encourage us all as we close in this moment to think about what it means when we reflect on this truth that the just shall live by faith. We've got promises set before us that have not yet come. But it's because of those promises that are out there in future land, in future us, where we will be. It's that that motivates us to take a step of faith each and every day because we recognize though we've received the benefits of some of the promise, we have received the justification that took place at the cross of Calvary. We have been justified for those of us who by faith who've received Christ. It's still faith that motivates us to take those steps of faith every day because we know it's not yet finished. And one day we will cross the finish line. One day we will... Here, well done, good and faithful servant. May we be encouraged to be faithful followers as the examples of these who've gone before us, heroes of the faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for these examples as we begin to kind of uh, unpack and and we're sort of slowing down in this section and taking time. Lord, I trust that you will lead and guide in this as to what needs to be shared, when it needs to be shared. And Lord, open our hearts to hear and receive. Help us to grow in grace. Help us to put into motion 
the faith that we have. Taking you and your promises and living them out. Lord, we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who mourn those who lost loved ones last Sunday. Continue to bring your healing and your grace. And Lord, may these ashes be turned to beauty for the name of Christ. Give platform to the name of Christ through this tragedy that countless many will be drawn to saving faith in our Lord and King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.